Hello and welcome to this message from the river. We hope that this message from Pastor Billy Pate inspires and challenges you towards a greater relationship with Jesus Christ. Now let's join Pastor Billy Pate for another exciting message. You say come to the river. Now turn to your neighbor and say, I choose to be happy, happy, happy this morning. Some of you, I believe you. I actually believe some of you this morning. That's pretty awesome. Praise the Lord. Well, you know, here's the thing about happiness. As we talk about being happy, 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 happiness is a choice. Happiness is a choice for you. Happiness is something you get to choose to be. And it's something that every one of us gets to choose whether or not we're going to choose to be happy with our circumstances and with the situations that we have or if we're going to choose to live life in the mully grubs and be discouraged and down all the time. We know there's two different kinds of people in the world, basically, right? There's those that choose happiness and those that choose something else. I like to be around people that choose to be happy, don't you? Some people just don't want to be happy. And, and you, you, you understand that, you know, look, everybody goes through circumstances, everybody deals with stuff. We all deal with the same kind of life issues. And how we choose to deal with those life issues is going to really determine a lot of our outcome in life. And if we choose to look at things in a negative light, we choose to be down and discouraged by everything that's going on around us, we're going to struggle to find joy and happiness that is promised to us in God's Word. And we want to be happy. We want to be joyful. I don't know anybody, I've never met anybody, that I've asked them directly the question, do you want to be happy? And they actually said no. But some of them I would question whether or not they're telling me the truth. Because some people just don't seem to want that in life. And so, you know, throughout Scripture, I think God teaches us that choosing to be happy brings a lot of value to our lives. He says in Nehemiah 8.10, he says this, he says, Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Many of us, when we're tired and weary, what do we need? We need the strength of the Lord. We need to put our happiness and joy in Him to draw upon that joy that comes from Him and learn to rely on Him through situations. The fact that Nehemiah starts out this scripture and says, do not sorrow, to me indicates or implies that we do have a choice in the process. God generally does not say don't do something if we have no control over whether or not we can do it. He's just not that way. And so if he says to us, do not sorrow, then that means that we have the power in our own hands to choose whether or not we're going to be sorrowful or joyful in life. Proverbs 15, 13 says this. It says, a merry heart makes a cheerful countenance, but by sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. There's a lot of broken spirits in the world today. There's a lot of people that are looking for happiness in a lot of things that don't uh, things don't last. Happiness doesn't last then. They're, they're superficial. They're counterfeits. They're not genuine. And as Christians and as children of God, we have found the secret to life. The secret to life is having a relationship with Jesus Christ because it's a relationship that takes you beyond the temporal surroundings of life and elevates you to an eternal existence. He says in Ephesians that we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. And so to me, when circumstances surround me and things get me down and things begin to weigh on my, my mind and on my heart and I begin to carry a lot of heaviness with me, I have some choices to make. I can choose to waller in it. I can find some people to feel sorry for me. Right? 
I can go and find some people and say, oh, you just would not. I do that sometimes. I'm just going to admit it, just like you do. But the best choice I can make is to say, God, I don't know why things are happening like they are, but I'm choosing to trust in you, and I'm relying on you to be my strength and my joy in the midst of circumstance. James says, consider it all joy when you go through trials and tribulations. He's saying there is a way that you can connect with the joy of the Lord no matter what your circumstance may be. And that's what we want to talk about today. On Proverbs 17, 22, it goes on to say, A merry heart does good like a medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. Has anybody ever met any dried up old bones? Anybody know, know some people that are just a bunch of dried up old bones? Don't be dried up old bones this morning. Be happy, happy, happy instead. Let's, let's go to 2 Samuel chapter 6. We're going to read some of that. And let me just uh, set the tone for you as we pick it up in verse 3 this morning. What's happened is the Philistines have taken the Ark of the Covenant from the children of Israel. They have, they have taken it hostage and they have it. But now because of God's intervention and God just driving them crazy having something that doesn't belong to them, they have finally relinquished it to the children of Israel. Now David has gone up at this point and he's gone to get the Ark of the Covenant and to bring it back into uh, the nation of Israel. And so let's pick it up in verse 3. It says, So they set the Ark of God on a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill in Uzzah, And Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, drove the new cart. And they brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill, accompanying the ark of God. And Ahio went before the ark. Then David and all the house of Israel played music before the Lord on all kinds of instruments of fir wood, on harps, on stringed instruments, on tambourines, on sistrums, and on cymbals. Here's my first point that I want to make to you this morning is this. Be happy, happy, happy when you worship. Be happy, happy, happy when you worship. Look, there's something powerful about coming together with a bunch of people that love the Lord. There's something powerful about joining together in corporate worship. Getting together with other believers, people that believe like you do, people that have a heart for God, people that are passionate about the Lord. You know, I remember some of my greatest times of worship were at camp. We would go to youth camp and everybody is pumped and primed to go after God at camp. And there's just this atmosphere created because everybody is hungry seeking the Lord. And I'm telling you, when worship breaks out at camp, it is on fire. It is just, it's too hot to handle sometimes. I mean, you're down there and you're doing things you never thought you would do. Raising your hands, shouting, praising God, and just engaging in the Lord in such a real uh, way. It makes you happy. And I want to challenge you that when we come together in worship, not just in singing songs together, although that is worship, but also in corporate worship of just fellowship. That's worship. Spending time together learning is worship. That we engage our hearts in the process. That we find joy in the process. That we connect with the happiness that God wants us to have in that process. We were talking today in prayer about engaging the full measure of who you are, your total body and being in the process of prayer and in worship and everything that you do. When you dig deep and you get that stuff flowing deep and you engage your mind, soul, spirit and body in the process of whatever you're doing, there is some passion that comes from that. And you connect with the life that's in what God's telling us to do. And in that life you'll find the joy of the Lord that we long for. 
There is a real value and experience in corporate worship. And when you leave this place, this is my heart, and this is what it should be like, that you leave energized and joyful, that you leave out of church fired up and ready to face your week, that you leave out of this place wanting God to do more in your life, and you don't let it stop once you walk out the doors, but you let it continue and continue to transform you, continue to build and continue to develop you. I would also say this to you this morning when we talk about worship, that personal worship must precede precede corporate worship. Your spiritual or your corporate life, your public life is only going to be as good as your private life. And if you never lift your voice and you never lift your heart to the Lord before Sunday morning, it's going to be pretty hard to muster up the passion and drive you need to really engage in this process. It is in imperative that we spend time before the Lord privately so that when we come together uh, corporately, everything fuses together and there is a release of power in the place. Here's the deal. And this is what I believe to be true. That however we worship in private should be reflected in how we worship publicly. That many times what I've seen in Pentecostal churches is that We have this ecstatic show of expression and emotion in a corporate service, but I would be willing to bet my ministry reputation on the fact that many people who are most ecstatic and most expressive and most emotional have little to no private worship life at home. And it ought not be. Amen? It ought to flow out of our private lives, what we do in, worship, in public worship. And there shouldn't be this vast differentiating uh, expression between the two. One should build upon the other. And if we'll do that, if we'll get real at home, it'll be real when we get here. If we'll get real at home with the Lord and we'll be genuine before the Lord in private when nobody's looking, then it'll be real and genuine when everybody's watching. Amen? Amen. That's good preaching. When personal worship mirrors your public worship, it's genuine. When it doesn't, it is being led too much by emotions and not by genuine expression of your will. We've got to be careful about that. Worship is also recognizing who God is. When we worship, what we're really doing is we're saying, this is what I know to be true about my God. That I know He is a Redeemer. He has redeemed me from my sins. He has cleansed me. He has made me whole. It brings revelation to who we we understand Him to be. And that when we understand who God is, we can't help but worship Him and lift up our voices to Him. That He's my provider. He is the God of favor. He is my healer. He's all of these different things. Worship is recognizing who God is. And how can you not be happy, happy, happy when you recognize who God is? When you understand that He is the sum total of everything you need in your life, that ought to bring a smile to everybody's face. Amen? Worship is also recognizing what God has done for you. Not only who He is, but what He has done for me. We have so many things to be thankful for. And so worship should not be this stretch to be happy in worshiping because we understand who He is, what He's done for us, how He has blessed us. We've come together with other like-minded believers and there should be no problem getting happy in the presence of the Lord. Worship is also doing what you love for God. In verses 6 through 9, David is getting ready to move the ark of God 
and he's getting ready to bring it back into to, to the nation of Israel. And, and as he's doing that, they, they meet some complications. But before we go there, just, just think about, even though David's about to face some complications in his life and he's going to face some things, he's very ecstatic about his relationship with God because he's doing what he loves to do and he's doing what he loves to do for the Lord. You're going to have difficulties in life. That's a given, right? You're going to face some things that you don't, you don't know how to handle them all the time. But it's about doing everything that you do to the utmost for God. You can worship Him in your relationships. You can worship Him at your job. You can worship Him in the way that you treat other people. Everything that you do in your life is an expression of worship. In verses 6 through 9, like I said, David's getting ready to move the ark of the Lord, but he's not moving it in the way that God has instructed him. He's about to encounter some difficulty. What happens is they, they as they go back to get the ark that's been gone for some season of time, they don't really look at how they should properly move the ark. They just go and they just hastily go grab it and they throw it onto a new cart and, and they're worshiping the Lord as they're coming back, but they're not doing what God had told them to do. And uh, one of the men that's along uh, for the journey here, Uzzah, he reaches out to steady the ark in a moment where it kind of shifts. And when he does, he is, he is struck dead. And David's upset and really confused by the situation and he knows that he needs to understand the process a little more uh, before he moves the ark. And so let's pick that up in verse 10. It says, So David would not move the ark of the Lord with him into the city of David, but David took it aside into the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite three months, and the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. Point number two is this. Be happy, happy, happy for the blessings of the Lord. It says here in the verse of Scripture that the ark was taken into the house of Obed-Edom and that they, his entire household was blessed because of the ark was there. We have some things to be thankful for today. We have some things to be happy for today. We have some reasons to rejoice. You have some reasons to be happy for what God has done for your, your, in your life and for your life. You know, look, we can look at it this way too. The question that I would like to pose to you is, do you have reasons today to be upset, frustrated, disappointed, and aggravated? Do you? Yeah, I'm sure that you do. Most people can come up with some reasons to be frustrated, aggravated, disappointed, and discouraged. I mean, I don't live in a bubble, do you? Sometimes I like to move into one, but I don't live in a bubble. I have dingbats in my life. And you do too. <laughs> Amen? You have some people that no matter how much you pray... And no matter how much you seek after the Lord, they remain in your life. I've asked God to smite people before. He doesn't do it. I said, God, can you just send them to another church? I'll get the book out, God, and I'll help you find a church for them. But he doesn't do it. So do we have reasons to be frustrated? Yes. You have reasons to be aggravated. You have some things that aren't going like you want them to go in your life. That's understandable, but that's also life. Can I ask you also, do you have reasons to be happy? Do you have reasons to be joyful? Do you have reasons to be excited? Do you have reasons to be cheerful? Of course you do, because everybody does. Not only do I have dingbats in my life, I have some pretty awesome people in my life too. 
I have some pretty great friends in my life. I have some people that I like to be around. They encourage me and they strengthen me and they help me and they're with me and they see the vision that we have and they want to accomplish some things. And so, yes, I've got reasons to be happy. Here's the deal. I get to choose which one I'm going to focus on. And I can choose to focus on the negative and I can focus my life and my energy on trying to deal with things that I can never change. Or I can invest my energy where it counts. I can connect it with the passion of God and other people that is like mine. And we can do something great together and we can let all that other stuff just be what it is. I've spent many years in my life, and this will help somebody I think in this place today, if I'm just genuine and honest with you today, I've spent a lot of time trying to get people to change, trying to get people to think differently, genuinely and truthfully wanting to help them have a better life. And there are just some people that you can't change that. Now, I'm not at all suggesting that you don't invest the energy in trying to. We wouldn't be children of God and serving His purpose if we didn't try. But you have to know when to invest and when to just say, okay. You know, God says it like this. He says, let the ignorant be ignorant still. Some people don't want to grow. Some people don't want to change. Some people like the misery they live in. And you can only invest so much energy in trying to change that process. You find people that want to grow and want to develop and want to be different and will get on board with you, and that's the people you focus on because they can help you and you can help them, and together you can accomplish something great together. They become a blessing in your life. We get to choose which one of these two we're going to focus on. And what we focus on dictates always the outcome of our lives. Do you want to be happy or do you want to be unhappy? Well, Pastor, I wish it was as simple as that. You want to be unhappy. You just told the truth right there. I wish it was as simple as that, Pastor. You don't know what situation... Be unhappy then. Because the truth is, there's not a person in here that doesn't have something going tough in their life, that doesn't have something that they could be really down about, that hasn't fought some battles in their life, hasn't gone through some pain in their life, hasn't struggled with something here and there, or isn't struggling with something right now. There's not a person in here. But the difference between happy people and unhappy people is, the, is where they decide to put their energy and where they choose to live. And here's the thing. You know, we talked in a, a few weeks ago about living unoffended. And it was such a good lesson in our, in our Circle Maker book that we've been doing on Wednesday nights because there's so much power in living unoffended. Jesus said, blessed is he who doesn't, he does not get offended by me. What's he saying? You mean, God, it's times you're going to be doing some offensive stuff in my life? Yeah. I mean, when we say, you know, we've said this before, when we say to the Lord, use me, use me, use me, and he uses us and we're mad because we feel used, that doesn't make any sense. But we've all been there. We've all been there. Because we want God to use us, but what we really mean is we want God to use us in a way that blesses us and makes us happy and everything goes right in our lives, not being used by the way that promotes and excels and advances his kingdom. And if we're truly His and at His disposal, then we have to accept both sides of that. And so how do I do that? I live unoffended. I'm not offended by what God does with me, through me. I just simply submit to His will and His sovereignty. 
Living unoffended is about choosing to trust in God no matter what. Choosing to trust in God, period. Choosing to trust in God and that's it. God, I don't, not questioning everything that he does. Not trying to understand everything that he does. Trusting his sovereignty means I trust him implicitly and with no questions. I just simply follow his will. Living unoffended is choosing to trust in God. It's choosing to forgive others. Choosing to forgive others. People offend you? Yes, forgive them. Let it go. Get over it. Let it go. Get over it. Walk away. It's going to be okay. You've got to decide to forgive people. I know some people, nobody that attends this church, but other people. There are other people somewhere that just every time somebody does something to them, they like put it in a backpack on their back and they carry it around with them. I know people that can tell you stuff that happened to them 25 years ago and give you details of it. I can't remember what happened the other day. And that's not just because I'm getting older and I can't remember nothing. It's just because I don't want to live that way. I'd rather just let, just, okay, you know, I don't have to hang out with them. Forgiving people don't mean I have to hang out with them anymore. I don't just keep letting the same dingbats, that's my word for the day, dingbats just keep doing the same stuff to me. At some point I just say, okay, this is the relationship that we can have right here. And I'm not going to go any further than that. You know, you have to set some boundaries in your life. You have to set some boundaries with the relationships that people want to have with you. Some people want you to trust them, but they don't want to trust you back. And so what does, that, what does that do? That limits the relationship based on the minimal amount of trust that can be given in that relationship. Now, that's powerful right there if you'll think about it. The person that wants to invest the minimal sets the tone of the relationship. Not the person that wants to give the maximum. And I've lived for years very frustrated and aggravated because people wouldn't give me what I want them to give me. Only to realize that it's the level of a relationship that we can have. And so use it to the best of its ability. Maximize the relationship you can have. Go as deep as people will go with you. But those that want to only go so far, be okay with that. You've got to learn to forgive some people along the way, church. People are going to hurt you. I am going to hurt you probably at some point. But I promise you I'm not doing it out of a malicious or mean heart ever. You know, there's been times when people have said to me, you know, he come walking by me and never said hi. Not on purpose. I didn't do it because I was mad or angry. I was just, I'm on a mission. I've got a task. I'm trying to mark off my list. And we've got to learn to forgive people and, and just move on. Because if we don't, all we're doing is keeping ourselves in bondage to that person. Amen. Choosing to, to trust in God, choosing to forgive others, and choosing to genuinely love them where they are. That's a difficult thing to do. On page 91 of the Circle Maker, it says this. It says, living an unoffended life is living a life surrendered to his sovereignty, his mystery, and his love. I live surrendered to his sovereignty. God, whatever you want to do, I trust in that. I live to your mystery, the mystery of I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm excited that whatever happens, I know it's for my good. 
and I can't wait to see how the drama unfolds before me. And I live surrendered to his love, knowing that whatever he does is for my good. He's working things out for my good, my benefit, and he always does it with his love in mind. Count your blessing. Focus on what is going right and choose to look for the good in every situation. Give people the benefit of the doubt, even if you doubt the benefits of some people in your life. I'll say that again. Give people the benefit of the doubt, even if you doubt the benefits of some of the people in your life. And here's the key to all of it. You want to be happy? Don't give place to a critical spirit. Don't give place to frustration. And don't give place to disappointment. Because all of those things turn into greater problems in your life. They turn into bitterness. They turn into condemnation. They turn, turn into a judgmental attitude. And once those things get a hold of you, it's hard to let them go. It's hard to get deliverance from them. It's hard to get freedom from them. Choose rather to be happy, happy, happy. Let's look at verse, six, uh, verse 12. It says, Now it was told King David, saying, The Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with gladness. And so it was when the bearing of the ark of the Lord had gone six paces that he sacrificed oxen and fatted sheep. Then David danced before the Lord with all of his might. And David was wearing a linen ephod. So David and all of the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. Point number three is this. Be happy, happy, happy for the presence of the Lord. Be happy for the presence of the Lord. The ark represents the presence of God. The ark always represented the presence of God in the people of Israel, the nation of Israel. And so when the Philistines took it captive, they were away from the presence of God. And they understood this and they, they, they knew this as a people. The presence of God had returned to Israel at this point and David and the Israelites understand that and they are happy that the presence of God has come. Listen church, I've been in some churches where there is no presence of God operating at all. If he came in, he'd have to fill out a connection card because nobody knows him. And it's a dead, dry place. You've been in those places. There is something about the presence of God when it fills a house. When we find ourselves in the midst of his presence, that things just change, perspectives change. Circumstances that seemed overwhelming become, uh, become minimal. And his magnitude and majesty puts everything in the proper perspective. In verse 12, David sees the blessing that has been resting upon Obed-Edom's household since the ark has been there. And now he wants that blessing resting on the nation of Israel. He gets word that now that this ark has come into Obed-Edom's house, man, everything's going good for him because he is living in the presence of God. David understands that we need that in Israel not just in a single man's house. And so he goes and gets it, and he brings it back. The presence of the Lord brings blessings, and it brings, brings just peace into, into our lives. David understood that the blessings always materialize in the presence of God. Listen to me this morning. Blessings materialize in the presence of God. It's in His presence that we begin to not only understand the blessings of God are available to us, but it's actually when we begin to see them, when we begin to accept them and receive them, it's in His presence that those things happen because all things exist in Him. 
All things consist uh, of who Jesus is that are, that are truly blessings and good for our lives. When we find ourselves in the presence of God, everything else fades away. Problems and circumstances come into the proper perspective. Things that bother us are minimized when God is maximized. 2 Corinthians 3.16 says this, Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with unveiled faces, beholding as in the mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. When I speak of things materializing, it's because this, the veil is taken away. When you find yourselves in the presence of the Lord, you begin to see things differently. Things come into the right frame of mind and understanding and we find ourselves being able to see what Christ has placed for us in our lives. There is freedom, joy, and hope found in the presence of God. Let's look at verse 13 again. And it says, And so it was when those bearing the ark of the Lord had gone six paces that he sacrificed oxen and fatted sheep. Now, if anybody in this process has the right to kind of wane in their happiness and their joy, I would say it's these poor guys that have to bear this ark. The ark was not a light box. It was not something that was small. It was gold laid in, in and out. And you know gold, I mean, I've never really held a lot of gold, but uh, I've heard that gold is heavy. And so these guys are bearing this ark. They're bearing the presence of God, that, that weight that's on them. And every six paces, they're stopping so that David can do this sacrificing of an oxen and sheep. This is a long, I don't care how far the distance was or how short the distance was, this was a long process. And these men are bearing this ark on their shoulders. You as a believer bear the presence of the Lord everywhere you go. These guys are bearing the ark of the Lord and they have a choice to make. They can do it going, I don't know why he don't hurry up. I wish he'd get this over with. This is getting monotonous. This is getting ridiculous. I'm ready to go to the house. I'm hungry. And they could have a lot of reasons why they're not happy. Or they could be saying, praise God that this has returned to us. I'm thankful that the Lord has allowed me the privilege and the opportunity to bear this ark. Oh, it's heavy, but I know the Lord will give me strength to do it. You as a child of God, you bear the presence of God. And your expression of His presence changes the atmosphere of where you're living. And if you're expressing Him in a negative way, you're not sharing the truth of who He is with the people around you. When you go to your workplace and you don't express the presence of God in real genuine ways, you are corrupting the atmosphere and swaying people away from the God that is true and right and holy for their lives. But when you go in and the joy of the Lord is expressed on your face, and the kindness and the love for people is expressed on your face, then you are bearing the presence of the Lord in the way that it should be bared, and you are expressing it and releasing it, and atmospheres change because of the way that you release the Lord into this world. Verse 16 says, Now as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michael, Saul's daughter, looked through a window and saw King David leaping and whirling before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. Verse 20, it says, Then David returned to bless his household. And Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, How glorious 
was the king of Israel today. Let me read it in her way that she would do it. How glorious was the king of Israel today uncovering himself today in the eyes of the maids of his servant as one of the base fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. So David said to Michael, It was before the Lord who chose me instead of your father and all his house to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord over Israel. Therefore I will play music before the Lord and I will be even more undignified than this and will be humble in my own sight. But as for the maidservants of whom you have spoken, by them I will be held in honor. Point number four is this. Be happy, happy, happy even when others don't want you to be. There's always other people that don't want you to be happy. You know that? There's always going to be someone that's got something to say about what you're doing. Anytime you're following after God's plan, anytime you're worshiping the Lord with all your heart, anytime you're trying to get real in front of Jesus, listen, there's going to be somebody that doesn't like you being happy in His presence. But I say be happy, 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 even when they don't want you to be. You go ahead and and worship the Lord. I love David's response to her because he says to Michael, he said, it was before the Lord. You know, it it was the Lord that I'm worshiping that chose me to be king in this house, and he didn't choose your father. In other words, what he was saying is, if your way worked and the way you were taught worked, then your daddy would be king and not me. But because I'm doing what I do before God, God chose me to be here, and I'm going to do my thing whether you like it or not. And I love his I will statements because they just speak of determination. Because he says here, he says, therefore, he says, so here's the deal. I'm going to play music and I'm going to dance before the Lord and I may even get wilder and crazier than what you've seen today. But I'm going to do it to my utmost because I love the Lord with all my heart. And he says, as for the people you're speaking of, when I'm real and genuine before the Lord, they're going to recognize that and they'll hold me in honor because of my faith and my faithfulness to the Lord. It's so true. When you do what you're called to do, and you don't let anybody deter you from doing that, you don't let any excuses hinder you from being what God's called you to be, and you don't let anything get in the way, people are going to respect that. You will have opposition. You will have people that don't like it. There's always going to be people who come along and want to rain on your parade, but I say have a parade anyway. Right? Amen? There are always going to be people who want to conform you to their personal level of misery. Don't let them bring you down. Misery loves company. It hates being alone. And it's always looking for some poor sap to bring into its fold. Proverbs 27, 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. If a man can sharpen the countenance of his friend, a man can dull the countenance of his friend also. And so we got to make sure that we surround ourselves with people who want us to be happy. Surround yourselves with people who want you to be successful. Surround yourselves with people who believe in you. And when you bring those people around you, you have put yourself uh, in a walled city that cannot be penetrated by the enemy of your soul. Surround yourself with the right people. Be happy even when people don't want you to be. Verse 20 says this, David returned to bless his household. Do you catch that in verse 20? Before she comes at him, it says in verse 20 that he he returned to bless his household. God had been blessing his socks off out there and he comes out of the overflow of his spirit 
to pour some of that out on his own household and he's met immediately with opposition from Michael. Anytime you do that, you can expect opposition. It's going to come. But I'm saying to you, press through anyway. Go ahead and let God do what he wants to do in your life anyway. Anytime you are blessed and desire to be a blessing, you will find opposition from your enemy. You know, look, the best services that I've been involved in, where God has blessed my life the most, it never fails that when I walk out the door, there's some kind of trap laying wait for me outside. The enemy brings somebody to you to try to rob that from you, or he will cause a situation to arise to rob that from you. Don't let it happen. Choose to be happy instead of the opposition, in spite of the opposition that you face. Let me close. 2 Samuel 6.23. It says, Therefore Michael, the daughter of Saul, had no children to the day of her death. You think about that for a moment. That is a huge thing for us to note from the passage of Scripture. And here's what I would say and how it relates to us this morning is simply this, that miserable people never give birth to anything good or joyful in their life. They live out their lives in misery and ultimately die in their misery. I don't want to be that. I don't want to be that. I want to give birth to good things. I want to help raise up life in other people. I want to be a person that that helps others to accomplish what God has called them to accomplish in their life. And so today as we close and as Jennifer comes to the keyboard, choose today to be happy in worshiping the Lord. Choose today to recognize who He is, what He has done for you. And in doing, and in doing so, you worship Him with your life and, and express to Him the thankfulness that you feel because of his love for him. Be happy for the blessings of God. We all have blessings in our life. We all have things that we should count each day and be thankful for. Be happy for his presence and his grace. For without those things, where would we be? And be happy when even, even when others don't want you to be. Would you stand with me today? My altar call is going to be just simple this morning. I'm not even going to ask you to come forward today. If you're here and you say, Pastor, I'm struggling today and I just would like to be the kind of person that chooses to be happy no matter what. I like to be around happy people. I like to surround myself with happy people. I'm not predisposed that way, so I have to work at it. So I like to put around me people that are just happy no matter what's going on in their life because that helps me. Some of you here today, you struggle with that. And you're saying, you know, I'm not happy. I, I don't know how to choose happiness. I need the Lord to teach me how to be joyful. I need the Lord to help me understand what it means to draw upon His joy and, and who He is and draw upon His strength for my own life. We hope you have enjoyed and been encouraged by this message. We would love for you to join us at the river on Sunday mornings at 9.45 for Sunday school and at 10.30 for morning worship. We also provide our midweek service for all ages on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If you would like to support the various ministries at the river, please go to our giving tab. We would love for you to visit us at 1110 South Preston Street in Burkburnett, Texas. And as always, we encourage you to come experience life with us at the river. 
Face down on your shoulders.